Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. We're two old friends with a thirst and obsessive knowledge about rock and roll, its history, the people who made it. Get together to uh, review uh, what's happened in the last week, to talk to each other about things that we love, trends in music. And this week, we're going to uh, delve a little bit into the year that is, was, and will always be 2020. Obviously, a Strange year for everyone in the world, and including rock and roll and rock music in general. Uh, plus, we're going to talk about some gift ideas uh, for your loved ones for the holiday. Thanks for tuning in to the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. Let's get into the year of 2020, Jackson, in, in rock and roll music. I mean, first of all, the year 2020 was unlike any other we've been on this earth for, correct? I mean, it, it, take the rock and roll out of it. It's been a bizarre and a trying year for everyone. I was thinking about that the other day with just, I mean, I work from home, so it, it hasn't been that big a deal for me personally, but the people I work with, the people that I know, yeah, I mean, it's just, no one's ever seen anything like this. And I talked to a woman who went through Hurricane Katrina and she said, oh, well, you know, that was horrible. And I said, that was horrible, but unfortunately it was just the one area this is everybody. Everybody's getting hurt by this. So it planet. is something no one's seen before. That's right. And it's it shut down so many different ways of life and things that we like to do. And obviously a big one for us is no live music, right? I moved to London about 18, 19 months ago. And in 2019, I got to see a few, a few good shows. You know, I got to see The Who in Wembley Stadium. Uh, I got to take my five-year-old daughter, you know, uh, which was cool. Got to take her to see Kiss again at the O2 on their big farewell. And then the last show I went to was uh, a show I wish I'd been there with you for. And that is The Cult on the 30th anniversary of Sonic Temple Tour at the Eventum Apollo in Hammersmith, formerly known as the Hammersmith Odeon. So nice mix. You know, I got a stadium, a big stadium show. I got a, a an arena show and then I got a nice theater show. And then I just decided, you know, this year... 2020, we may only be here a few years. I really want to max out my opportunity to be here uh, and take advantage of the fact that so many people come to London, right? I mean, a lot of British bands uh, who may be big everywhere or maybe just kind of big over here, they will tour England most every year. And of course, they'll have London stops. And there were about a dozen shows that I went ahead and got tickets for at, at great expense so I could live out, you know, the rest of my rock and roll fantasy. I mean, I'm in my late 40s. I don't go to as many shows as maybe I once did, and I kind of vowed 
a few years back, I'm going to stop chasing people. Because when you live in the Midwest, sometimes you got to drive two, three hours uh, to go see your favorite band. But London, hey, you jump on the train, jump in a cab, you can get to really anywhere. So I was going to see The Who again, this time in arena. I was going to see Simple Minds on their 40th anniversary tour. Peter Frampton in the Royal Albert Hall. I was going to Royal Albert Hall three times in 10 days. Like Peter Frampton, Jeff Beck, and yes, uh, it was going to be incredible. I'm going to see Maiden in the Netherlands. Sting's doing a solo tour. I was going to see him. Had tickets to, to Blue Oyster Cult and Deep Purple, which I was really looking forward to, actually. I was going to see Steve Hackett again. Uh, and then the kind of the coup de grace, the big one, that I was going to see at the end of the year, end of November, was Genesis, you know, because I've become kind of a bigger Genesis fan uh, as my life has gone on here. And I've discovered, you know, the Peter Gabriel years and Steve Hackett and all the kind of progier stuff they did before they became you know, the big pop sensation they were in the 80s when we were getting into music. Uh, so I was really excited because this is really this would be only really the second tour they've done in 30 years. And if I missed the last one, which I did, it means this is really my last chance. Uh, and they all got postponed. And maybe the Frampton was canceled because I think he has some health issues that is actually physically affecting the way he plays. Um, so he may not be rescheduling, unfortunately. Everyone else rescheduled, um, but we'll see kind of depending on what time of the year it is, whether I get to go, right? Because the Who is going to be in March. Well, I don't know if they're going to have arena shows by March. Now, next November, if it's for November 2021, I feel pretty confident between the vaccine they already have and other vaccines that will come along, we might be able to kind of have normal life in the fall or winter of next year. But Q1, Q2, I'm not so sure. So we'll see, right? So now take all of that, what you just said, and then add to the fact that, I mean, I know for me, I saw that movie Farewell to Kings Mm -hmm. in the theaters, and I was like, well, you say that, but maybe one day you'll change your mind and you'll do like a Vegas residency or you'll do something. Nope. Same with Van Halen. I know you guys, but maybe you'll come around and that's just not going to happen. I mean, those are two huge bands for us that are just gone now, gone forever. They'll never come back. They'll never be another Rush anything, and they'll never be a Van Halen thing again. And that just makes me sad. I know. Like, it makes me sad. I know. And they weren't even that old. I mean, I think they were both in the 65 range. Which is, I mean, obviously old, and not everybody makes it to 65, especially in the world of rock and roll. And the Neil Peart thing really killed me, to be honest with you. I actually cried when the thing scrolled across my iPod, iPad rather. I was, I was reading the news, and I see a scroll, and it said, legendary drummer of Rush, Neil Peart, and there's dot, dot, dot. I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> Uh, that, that doesn't, that, that's, that's, that's going to be that he died. And it was, of course. And the thing is, he had brain cancer. I didn't even know it. I mean, I don't think anybody really knew it. Neil was a very private guy. You know, we got to meet Rush backstage on the Snakes and Arrows tour. But you only get to meet Alex and Getty because Neil doesn't really like to do that. So, you know, I said, yeah, okay, I understand. We'd love to have met him. But I, you know, I get it. I wouldn't want to meet me either, right? Um <laughs> You know, and, and, and like you, I know you're ready to get off the road. You're ready to stop touring. You have a new family now. But like you said, I'm like they could do a Vegas residency. They could do an L.A. residency, you know, or, or he could just I know he likes to 
be on his bus maybe after the show and ride his motorcycle around the country on the back roads uh, and things like that. But you could just, you could get a private plane and just fly home every night if you want. You know, uh, you could still do it. And, and you're right. Now there's, when you say they could get anybody, but there's nobody to get. There's no one to yeah. replace Neil Peart with. I'm sorry. And anybody would just, it would just be a tribute. They would be playing, like, I mean, we talk about like Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater. Yeah, it would sound exactly the same, but it wouldn't be the same because it's not, you're just, you're just playing a part. It's not. It's not really the the heart and soul back there, and I remember watching that movie, and it was weird to me. I remember sitting in the theater thinking, "This is weird," because I know they're Canadian, so they have that like they're very polite. They're nice people, mm-hmm. but the way they were talking about it was like it was like you're really cool with this. Like, I mean, well, you know, if he doesn't want to do it anymore. So I think they knew, I think, I think Alex and, and Getty knew something was wrong, but they were, they didn't want to say anything. They were just like, that's his decision. There's no way they didn't know he was sick. I can't imagine that after all those years. Well, I, well here's the thing. I don't think he got sick till after the tour. Uh, I, I don't think he got sick till a year or two after that. I mean, Alex also has some kind of, it's like an arthritis kind of thing or something with his hands. Yeah. It's making it hard. He would have a hard time touring too. But uh, yeah, and, and like I said, you, you, okay, so you don't have to tour. You can still make a record. You can still make new music together. That you know, yeah. and, and like you said, you could do a one-off night, or you could have a residency in LA, which I think is where he lived at the end of his life. But yeah, they were so nice. I, would, I remember seeing in the video, Getty's like, "We only do things if it's unanimous because if it's two to one, that's not fair." I'm like, "Wow." You really are Canadian because in America, yeah. if it's two to one, the two are going to win and the one does not. That's just the way it yeah, is. He'd have been at, yeah, he'd have been out in 1990 or something because they would have just said, well, we'll just get somebody else to replace you and we'll just run the deal. Just the sadness that that brings on and uh, just a finite amount of it. I mean, even if they never did another tour, but they were still around, you know, you could always keep that hope alive or something or a book or something, but... I saw, I read a great article about some guy who was who met up with Neil just randomly. He was in a he was at a gas station out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It was a gas station like you know barbecue joint or something. Got a sandwich, sat down. Oh hey, there's Neil Pern. Sits down and right off the bat he can tell like I don't. We're not talking about Rush. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about. So he just went into you know what's up with your bike. You know where have you been? Where are you going? And once that boom, he was he was all in on the conversation don't talk to me about yes i know who i am yes i know every song i've ever played on i know how the drums are set up i know in this song i did this fill it i don't care about any of that i don't want to talk about that yeah he i think it embarrassed him you know he's a private guy and 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 just being praised and worshipped i don't think was really for him but you think about he also wrote all the lyrics it 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 really means that even if getty and, and alex have some tunes that they could form into songs Without Neil writing the words, is it even Rush anymore? You know, so yeah. it, and, and even if they did, you could tell right off the bat. You would listen to it. And you said, "Okay, the music, yes, but what are we doing here?" With yeah, it just doesn't. It, it, it the equation doesn't work out. So that was one heck of a way to start off the year. Uh, that's when COVID was a small thing. You know, happening in China only, really, at that point. And of course, there was the death of Kobe Bryant, which is not a rock and roll or music related death. But nobody can tour. So bands are getting clobbered. They can't make any money. Fans can't go see the bands. And then we've had this horrible rash of deaths this year. And, and given 
our age, we're in our mid to late 40s, and the bands we like, you know, we grew up on bands that are older than us. People are going to die, but this year just seemed like it was a little harder, and, and I want to kind of go through some of these names. Just to, And it, by the way, we're recording this in mid-November, so they're all still six weeks left, so hopefully nobody else big dies. Hopefully we get through the year without any more icons leaving us. But Frankie Benali of Quiet Riot died in the summer, you know, um, a, a guy who I waved hi to in the airport at LAX once. Um, same weekend I actually met Carlos Cavazzo, great guy. Good drummer, um, lost his battle with cancer. Um, Martin Birch died about 10 days before he did. And Martin Birch was a big time producer and he went from like Fleetwood Mac to Deep Purple to uh, Black Sabbath, um, Rainbow, um, and then Iron Maiden in the 80s. He just went from strength to strength to strength. It was unbelievable. And he passed away this year. Charlie Daniels was maybe not a hard rocker, but everyone knows Devil Went Down to Georgia. And then a couple of Davises. One is Mac Davis, who was a country singer, and he wrote some songs for Elvis. I know him best from North Dallas 40, where he played the country quarterback who kind of got away with whatever he wanted to Nick Nolte's wide receiver. Did you see that one, Jackson? Yeah, I did see that one. And he was in, yeah, he was in a couple other movies, too. So he was one of those dudes that, that could cross over. I mean, not a huge... I think he was a big music star, and like you said, he wrote for Elvis. Mm-hmm. But definitely somebody who, who you know, you'd see his face now. Oh, yeah, that's the guy from, like you said, North Dallas Fort. And he was a good actor. I mean, he was a fine yeah. actor and obviously a good singer. Other Davis, of course, recently here was Spencer Davis, famous for really discovering Steve Winwood. And, of course, Give Me Some Love and I'm a Man. Steve still plays those songs today. And Spencer was a great, uh, you know, blues guy and, and uh, a guitar player. Those two Davises, no relation, did die on the same day, oddly enough. Now, Peter Green is another guy, famous uh, for... Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, he's famous for starting Fleetwood Mac, letting them call it Fleetwood Mac. Mick Fleetwood, John McVie, and Peter Green were all in John Mayall's Blues Breakers. After Eric Clapton, you know, after, I think, McTaylor was in that band uh, before that. But Peter Green had, had been in there. And was amazing and just kind of an effervescent talent. He let Mick and John call the band Fleetwood Mac because he knew one day he would move on. And then he wanted them to have something. He was just a genuinely good guy. Uh, And really took them in an amazing direction. Those albums sold incredibly well at the end of the 60s and early 70s. Before they got Lindsay and the girls in the band. So I always think that's uh, funny on a quick aside that the Green Man Alishi is not a... Priest song, that's a Fleetwood Mac song. It absolutely is. <laughs> and you say, what? It absolutely Go back and listen is. to that. So is Black that's Magic Woman, thing. by the way. Black Magic Woman, which is one of Carlos Santana's biggest hits. That is oh, a that's right. Peter Green Fleetwood Mac song. Who else? Well, you know, and Toots, Hibbert from Toots and the Maytals died not long ago. Um, Brian Howe, who's basically the guy who replaced the vocals for Paul Rogers in Bad Company, um, he passed away. Um, Lee Kerslake died not that long ago. He, he was in Uriah Heep a long time, but he also played you know, for Ozzy. Bob Kulik passed away. For those of you who yep. don't know Bob, Bob played a role in Kiss. He punched up a lot of things uh, on their albums in the 70s. And obviously his brother Bruce was uh, the lead guitarist in the band for a long time. Eddie Trunk, uh, who, for those of you in Britain who don't know Eddie, you know, Gary and I love Eddie. Eddie's been a big hard rock, heavy metal fan for decades. He's got radio shows and used to have that metal show. He's got a great podcast. 
He had Ace Frehley and Bruce Kulick on there recently. I, I suggest you, you give a listen to that. Yeah, I think Bob, I mean, I think legend has it. Bob pretty much played on all, like, I think he played on Creatures of the Night. I don't think Ace is on there that much. I think he, that was one of those deals where he had to come in and rescue that project mm-hmm. when Ace was having none of that. So, yeah, definitely a bigger part of Kiss. And, you know, like you said, introduce them to, to Bruce, who would become the guitarist for i mean what 80 it was asylum through the through the yeah. mtv record 85 right? 85 to like 95 something like that something yeah like that, so yeah. i mean definitely a big part of that band no doubt about it now the next one little richard you can't be a bigger rock and roll pioneer than little richard i mean maybe if your name's elvis presley or chuck berry you know maybe um, but but that's about it. And it's amazing his influence going back to the 50s and 60s. It's odd that Jimi Hendrix was in his band. And just the, the influence when you go to people like Lemmy. Lemmy loved Little Richard. Lemmy, to the day he died, would say Little Richard was rock and roll. It never really got better than that. As much as he liked the Beatles and all that, and he liked his own stuff, he's like, Little Richard was the greatest ever. Well, I remember I saw a, I saw a clip of his performance, Little Richard, and I remember looking at him saying, that's Prince. That is Prince right there. Oh. He got the moves, he got the, the stage presence from Little Richard. So, yeah, to, you know, they always talk about Elvis, and he was a huge influence, but yeah, I know the Beatles were huge Little Richard fans, just can't, you can't dismiss that as part of the rock and roll lore. No, no, huge, huge, huge influence, um, and obviously a, a member of the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Another guy, not a huge rock guy, but Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers is a legend in America, there's no doubt about it, and he did a lot of country songs. But uh, didn't he also have the song from, when he was in first edition, the song from The Big Lebowski, where he, he's knocked out and he's kind of tripping in his mind? I just... Checked in to Drop, see what condition my I condition just dropped was in. in to check out what condition my condition was in. Yeah, that was another one too. You're like, that's Kenny Rock. Get out of here. Yeah. It's Kenny Rogers rocking out. And apparently, Kenny helped the Eagles get going. Like, Don Henley met him after a show. Uh, Interesting. And he said, when he was coming up, he still wasn't even with Linda Ronstadt. He's like, hey, man, I think you'd really like us. You, you should really come see us. And Kenny's like, that's not really what I do, kid. You know, I'm, I kind of have my own stuff to do. But Don apparently talked him into it, and then he crashed with Kenny for a few weeks or something like that. I'll tell you, though, to me, and Kenny also did some acting, The Gambler, which is not only one of his biggest songs, but I think it you know, has a, a miniseries or a couple of TV movies. I first saw him in a movie called Six Pack, where he was kind of a washed-up NASCAR driver, and then this group of like five or six orphans kind of come on board with him to become his pit crew, including a teenage Diane Lane and Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, you know, and, and of course, hijinks ensue when you're on the road with a bunch of kids and, and Kenny and stuff like that. Um, that's how I first remember him. And, uh, well, you know, God rest you, Kenny. You did plenty, especially with my wife's favorite, Dolly Parton. They had a, some big hits together. I think, he, I think those, at least one of those songs was a number one, like not country well i'm sure it was country too but i mean a number one pop hit too so yeah definitely crossed over absolutely absolutely and p way from ufo and Fastway and, and some of the other bands he was in you know he passed away bill withers who, who famous for lean on me but i kind of like that use me up song i think that's cool he, he had a bunch of good songs he passed away and, and obviously that's not everybody 
in music and, and certainly not everybody who influenced the world. But as sad as it's been for us, I mean, here's the thing. The Stones, the Who, the Iron Maidens of the world, they're fine. They, they have to take a two or three years off from touring. They're still living in mansions, you know. The younger bands, people just starting out, or even older bands who aren't super duper stars, but they can make money every year and live indoors and eat food thanks to touring, had that completely cut off this year. And, you know, over here in England, you know, so many venues have been shut down. They had to kind of put together a special fund for the arts, for artistic venues. So places like Hammersmith Odeon, and I'm sure the Royal Albert Hall is, is protected by something from, you know, the, the Queen or taxes or whatever, but all these smaller venues, clubs uh, and theaters and, and pubs that play music, they needed schemes, is what they call it over here, uh, to help protect them, and we're just hoping that next year not only can we get live music back, but maybe get some festivals back in here as well, right? Yeah, and, and then you go, I mean, if you want to take that a step further, then all the people that were worked for that like the road crews the sound mm-hmm. people all those yeah they don't live in mansions and they were looking forward to that and just the just the camaraderie that it brings you know oh we're going to a show this weekend and we saw the show and mm-hmm. it's just it's the whole thing has been turned upside down and it's going to take a while for people to feel comfortable even with vaccines even with everything else to come back and do this again i mean we this could be several years down the road before you see anything that's even close to what it was. I know, I know. And, but, you know, some bands have been chipping in. You know, I saw Metallica did a live streaming event, you know, for money for their crew, which is cool. I think Steve Hackett is doing some kind of an auction, you know, um, for his crew. And, and so live streaming is now kind of a thing, right? The Foo Fighters just did one. Um, our buddy Eddie Trunk gave it great reviews. And um, I'm tuning in to one for Liam Gallagher on December 5th. It's D- Liam Gallagher here, down by the river, is what the name of it is. Um, so I won't get to be by the river, but I can get it on my TV here in the comfort of my own home. So I'm looking forward to that. So they, you know, you can change things up a little bit, right? Because you can only put, let's say, 5,000 people in Royal Albert Hall, but you could get 100,000 people to uh, to watch the downs, the live stream, or a million, you know, uh, depending on how it goes. So there are ways to kind of keep going there are ways to get out there in front of the fans and to earn a little bit of money but it's it obviously it hits the struggling artist and the middle tier a lot harder than it hits the rock and roll hall of fame types well if you can take any anything away from it at least the technology is here now where you can have people in different locations and be put all together and perform live music. I know Sammy, I've seen a couple of the circle deals mm-hmm. where like, I think he's in his own shower because <laughs> of the acoustics and everybody's sure. at their house and it sounds really good. Understand, you know, you have to record it and edit it and everything else, but at least you can do something. And uh, I saw something else. It was a, it was a corporate deal. I think the band was train, mm-hmm. Pat Monahan and train, and they were all in different spots and it sounded really good. They got the mix was good. The set they were they were in tune, and that was a live broadcast. So it was it was pretty cool. That's cool. And what my hope is too to come out of this year is maybe people will release some more music because you're locked in, you can't tour. But like you say, thanks to technology, you can send each other your parts. You don't even have to do it via mail. You can do it over the internet. And obviously, this big global thing is something you can write about, right? It's something 
you're going to emote over, that people are going to have feelings over, so artists can connect with something about that. Stones put out Living in a Ghost Town, one of the only CD singles I've ever bought in my life, because I just figured, heck with it, I'll buy it, why not? It's, it's new Stones, it's something, you know? <laughs> and it's apropos, because the first few days when I walked out onto Abbey Road, I live about 40 yards from Abbey Road, not a super busy road, but it's... There's people out there all day long. Buses going by, uh, you know, a lot of tourists stopping me. Where is the studio? And I go out there to take out my garbage, and it was a ghost town. I expected to see a tumbleweed after about five minutes. I couldn't believe it. Now, this time we're back on lockdown in London. It's a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, in March, it was kind of scary just how shut down everything was. And so obviously everyone wants their life back in order, back to normal, as soon as we can, whether it's the middle of 2021 or, or whenever that might happen. Uh, but the music industry, the live performing industry, think about theater, just, you know, live theater, you know, Broadway and, and London's theater district just shut down. And what you'll probably see is a bit of a glut because everyone who toured, who was supposed to tour this year, kind of rolled it over and say, okay, we'll just do it next year. But then there's people who are going to tour next year anyway. Now they're on the bill. And then there's people mm -hmm. who are thinking, well, maybe we will tour, maybe we won't. But now they realize, oh, goodness, we just lost any kind of revenue. we got to get out there and tour. you know. So it might get a little sticky. Plus things like The Who, which are supposed to come in March, might then get bumped back to September or something like that. So we'll just kind of have to see how all this plays out. I think you're right. Once the... Once the the switch gets flipped back on again. Yeah, it's going to come fast and furious. Mm -hmm. You're going to be you're going to be at the Hammersmith every other day in uh, hopefully in 2021. Well, I, I hope so. You know, um, and if not, I've got thousands of pounds coming my way in in the form of refunds. But I would rather not have the refunds. I've already learned to live without the money. I'd rather see the show, especially for the folks who I've not seen before. Yeah, and it, but you have to think, too, that if you are an artist, that somebody who's creative, and you're not, you're forced to stay in your house, hopefully those creative juices will be flowing, and you say to yourself, you know what, I wasn't thinking about putting out new music, but I've got these ideas, I've got the time, mm -hmm. let's do this. We, we, again, we can, we can record tracks, send tracks back and forth, let's do something. Let's Or go back, oh, I, I always wanted to go back and release this concert from 1987 i've just never had the time to work on it you've got the time now right go to i mean if neil young could put out an, an album every eight months or something he's unbelievable in the last 10 15 years he's cranked music out if you're not touring go ahead and put something out i mean it's not as expensive you don't have to rent electric ladyland for two months right just go in and, and do your thing share it with your team uh, and then get it out there I would think anybody who anybody who does music professionally and and has the means would have some kind of some kind of a space in their home where they could record themselves. Absolutely. And then package it and send it out. I mean, like you said, with the technology today, you don't have to have fifty one fifty studio in your backyard. Just go into some place that sounds good. Bring the MacBook and boom, you're right. done. You get Pro Tools, you get a couple of Pro microphones, you probably got enough other equipment to make it sound good. Yes, please put something out and, and share this feeling, share this, this emotion that everyone feels about being on lockdown, having your life taken away from you, but 
happy to have what you do have, you know, that kind of thing. This is what this is why we have artists, you know, to help us through these things. Now that brings up an interesting thought in my head. What if you what if you had stuff that was just totally weird? Like something where, yeah, I'm I'm in, you know, like to, let's say Mick Jagger all of a sudden decides I've always wanted to write classical music. If you've been working on that since 1968, but you never had the chip, put that out. I don't care. Give me something. Yeah, I, something I, strange. I'm hoping Derek Smalls uh, gets uh, Saucy Jack together um, <laughs> because they've been working on that. They've they've shelved that for so long. <laughs> uh, that, that should probably come out this year, you know. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at Ugly underscore Werewolf and let us know what's important to you in the world of rock and roll. Did we miss something? Did we leave something out? Did we get something wrong? Did we get something right? Let us know at Ugly underscore Werewolf on Twitter. Well, speaking of, of end of the year, you know, it's, it's getting to be holiday time, Christmas time for us. Uh, and that's when we, you know, our thoughts turn to visions of of uh, CDs and, and uh, box sets uh, under the tree. And I wanted to see if you had any, uh, any gift ideas for, uh, for the rock and rollers out there. Well, I know that one thing that you sent me, the, uh, we were looking at that Iron Maiden from Mexico mm-hmm. deal. It looks pretty cool because they always seem to do it up right. They always seem to pick just, they've got the recording down. They've got the tracks. It really makes you feel like you were there. Uh, as part of the experience. Yeah, I mean, look, Iron Maiden's always been a band that's super good to their fans. As someone who's seen them, you know, six or seven times and who's been a member of the fan club now for years, they do an amazing show. They really take care of their fans. And you can complain, look, they seem to put out a live album after every tour now. Yeah, most bands of their stature and at this point in their career are going to do that. But like you say, they package it up really well. And I did, uh, we did tweet about it. Uh, the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast tweet is at ugly underscore werewolf. Comes out uh, November 20th. Uh, and of course, there's a couple different packages. There's an LP package with, with different colored discs. There's a kind of the normal digipack. There's a straight up booklet uh, kind of uh, package with two CDs that I think I'm probably going to ask Santa for myself. Um, so <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely want to get that one. I mentioned Neil Young. Neil Young has finally put out Archives Volume 2. The first one really kind of chronicled everything that he not only released, but a lot of stuff that went unreleased and B-sides and stuff that he worked on in sessions. But from early days, from like 63 to like 72, something like that. And I do have it, and it's very good. The Volume 2 has been supposed to come out for close to a decade now. It just keeps getting pushed back. Because Neil just keeps writing new music like no one else I've seen, especially at his age. Uh, but the second one gets in the 70s, and it has a two, two and a half, three albums worth of unreleased stuff, you know, plus the good albums he made in the 70s, plus sessions with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Young, and, and maybe just with Stephen Stillsman. So now it, it, I think it's sold out. Like sometime in November there or October, you could get on and pre-order one, and... The first lot went. Uh, it will be a little pricey. I, I think it's. I think it's worth it. He's he's the godfather of, of so many things, and he's still very active, political, and he traded in his wife for forty years for Terrell Hannah. So something, something he's doing something right. And it's cool too to hear to hear stuff that was never released, especially from somebody like that who's always, all his brain is always churning, always writing something. Just to hear. 
what I really like is if you can find a song that never came out, but hey, wait a minute, that was something else. Mm-hmm. Use that and and took it and reworked it into something that you knew. Yeah, that's that's really cool. You know, Just to me. get inside the mind. Yeah, you know me. I love B sides. I love bonus tracks. Uh, don't always love demos because they generally evolve into what you know. Sometimes it's cool if they were going in one direction. And then they take it a different one for the, the song we love. But yeah, just unreleased stuff I love. Uh, now, speaking of that, here's one that I may or may not recommend. Someone I absolutely love, we both love, and that's Keith Richards. Keith Richards has re-released He and the Expensive Winos at the L.A. Palladium, December 15th, 1988. And this is a, I, I bought this on cassette, I bought it on CD, and I owned it on DVD. And now it's re-released in a couple packages. You can get just the CD, but it doesn't contain the three new bonus tracks. You have to get the LPs to get that, which kind of, or, or, or you could do digital download. But that kind of miffs me a little bit. I mean, look, Keith, if you give me the CD with the bonus tracks and a DVD, I'll pay the 30, 40 quid, whatever you're going to charge for it. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to go buy a two or four LP package just to get these three songs. That does seem a little strange only because the people who are going to buy the LP were going to do it anyway, I think. You, you know from the price point, you don't really, it's, it's more of having it on the LP and, and seeing it and everything. So you're right. It, the bonus tracks should really be for everybody because, no, I don't. I'm not going to jump in for the $200 plus that it's going to cost me. Well, that's the thing. The, the Super Deluxe, like, 4LP plus DVD set, is a, it's like $200, it, which is a heck of a lot for, for one night at the Palladium. Now, the bonus songs are, I did listen to them because you can hear them on Alexa. The first one was I Want to Be Your Man, which is kind of an old one that Stones used to do, I think. And it wasn't great. The next one was Little TNA, which was is one of my very favorite Keith Stone songs. And though it wasn't a real rockin' version of it, it was still good, and I always love it, and I wish it had been on the cassette and CD and DVD that I purchased previously. But the last one, um, You Don't Move Me, is a Keith song, and it just had a real good groove to it. Uh, and I listened to that one today about six times over. Um, so I guess I don't necessarily have to buy it to hear it and to basically hear it on command. But it just seems like maybe Keith and his team missed an opportunity. Of course, you know, in six months or a year, they could do another reissue where you can get those three on a CD. I mean, The Who put out an album earlier this year that, you know, they were supposed to be touring on. Well, they just put out another version of it, same songs, and then I think there's some live acoustic from someplace else. I'm like, A, you didn't really give us any new songs. B, the live stuff wasn't even from this year. Uh, you know, how can you put out a deluxe album of a, something you haven't even toured on? Uh, but you know, to to each their own, I suppose. I don't know. Now, did you watch? Did you watch that streaming event yesterday? Uh, I didn't watch. Uh, Gary's talking about something we put on the uh, Twitter feed was that. To celebrate the release of this, they did put on Keith's YouTube channel, you know, live from the Palladium, the, the video from way back in the day. Uh, and I, I did miss it because I'd had a long day of editing. Well, I watched, I did, I was admit, I did not watch the whole thing. I did watch bits and pieces of it. And what struck me is the fact that Keith put together a band that was really, really good. They were just top-notch musicians 
like they had been playing together for years. And that's what that's what you can do if you're a Keith Richards. You snap your finger and everybody comes running to play on that record. That's for sure. You know, uh, and is it is it Stanley Jordan was his drummer? I mean, or Steve Jordan. He's so good. Waddy Wachtel's on there. Yeah, it was just, I think Sarah Dash might have been singing with him. So good. But, you know, Keith played more now. But more then, rather. He, he, he strummed more. If you see him today, he, he'll play the parts he knows he has to play. And sometimes he'll just kind of, it's kind of what you call just-in-time inventory. He'll just, he'll, he'll, he's not even touching the guitar and then he'll pop, you know. He's like, okay, that was the right note. But you could play some other notes around that if you wanted to, Keith. Uh, he's like, as long as the band's on time, you know, I'll come in when I want to. But back then, you know, because he was only 88, uh, he wasn't 50 yet. Was still playing like, yes, I need to hit every note here. Um, so it it was a nice it was a nice one and then i also put on the twitter account i saw a video because I, I looked at that on youtube and then they showed there is a boston dvd from the next tour from the main offender tour and i think it may have been recorded for japan because it has this odd logo in it for a lot of it but i don't care i mean to me look as long as i can see and hear keith doing his thing i want to see it i want to watch so i watched it and i you know i i might ask santa if he can find that DVD out there somewhere for me. Because then he had two albums worth of stuff, right? It wasn't just the first album, Talk is Cheap, and then some Stone Standards, and then some other standards. He, he really kind of had a nice uh, repertoire of solo material of that stuff. Yeah, both those both those records were, I would say, even beyond decent. I was I was more than happily surprised when I, when I got a hold of it, especially the first one, and said, hey, this is a, forget Keith Richards. This is a good album. Like I would listen to this. These songs are good. The playing on it is excellent. You got some stuff that rocks, some stuff that's a little slower, and you know maybe they needed to let Keith sing more than one song an album. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. And that "How I Wish" song, great old song. Uh, but back to Christmas. What else? Um, let's see. Uh, UFO is releasing the super deluxe edition of "Strangers in the Night." In that, I think it's eight discs. Um, and they remaster the original uh, recording, which I think was is kind of the best of these six nights. And then it gave you all nights of the recording. So it was, I may not get all these right, but it's, it was like Chicago, somewhere in Wisconsin, which I'm guessing is Milwaukee, Louisville, Columbus, Cleveland, um, and then someplace else in, in Ohio, if I'm not mistaken, or, or you know maybe Detroit or something like that. Kind of in that general area around there. They give you every night, and they do mix it up a little bit. You know, I think you have to be kind of a big UFO fan to get that. I'm sure Eddie Trunk's going to get it. On pre-order, I'm sure. Yeah, because it, there's two discs for the original record, and then there's six more discs that are you know, 90% the same to each other. They, they mix in and out a few different songs. So, but it's, and I think it's 50 quid over here, which means it's probably 60 or 70 bucks back in the States. Yeah. So, and so. I think Strangers in the Night, I think that's the last, or one of the last Michael Schenker recordings with UFO, because I think he was on his way out and that was the last, and they, they met, who knows, maybe they had a little fill in there once in a while, but I think that was the end of the story for him. Right, and it was, but it's a great way to wrap up because he was on all those previous albums. Um, yeah. And then, okay, this era's over, let's put out the big live album. And it's great. And, and those songs still sound amazing to this day. Anytime someone who doesn't know who UFO is, which in America are a lot of people. Anytime I bring my friends who think that they know a lot about rock and roll, I'm like, look, listen to this band, listen to this album. And I put on Strangers of the Night, like, this is pretty good. I'm like, yes, I know. Yeah, like, 
how did I miss this this whole time? Well, that's called that's called uh, radio in the 80s and 90s and you know maybe late 70s in the United States. Stuff like that just didn't make it. They just, for whatever reason, didn't have the hook. Whether it was the song, bad management, they weren't sexy enough, something like that to make it on mainstream radio. And you just get overlooked unless you're a hardcore fan. Yeah, it's, it's strange, too, because Doctor, Doctor, it, it may not have hit the charts in America, but that's a hit song. That's got right. hooks in it. You know, that's, that's a big-time song. Maiden still plays that as the song that they play right before they come on, you know? Yeah, Lights Out from London. That's a, that's a, that could have been a hit in the United States. I never, I had never heard it until I got into UFO, but yeah, I, don't, I would love to know what happened there along the way. A couple more ideas. Um, one is, uh, you know, we love Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd is re-releasing uh, The Delicate Sound of Thunder with eight more tracks that were then were on the original. And you can also get the DVD. So there's obviously going to be a couple of versions of that. And most of the songs that were left off were from the Momentary Lapse of Reason album. But there are a few others in there. There's some, you know, uh, from Dark Side of the Moon. I think there might have been one from Wish You Were Here. But, you know, it really ups the tracks. Now, I already kind of got that last year. Last year's big Christmas gift was the big box set Pink Floyd the latter years, which is a 16, 17 disc thing with a big book and a huge package. Obscenely expensive, but my wife is very sweet and when I say honey this is what I want for Christmas she usually gets it for me and she she did you know which is kind of silly just because you know five or six of the discs are blu-rays and we don't even have a blu-ray player over here um but I've watched the video I've watched the concert video which I think they taped at Nassau Coliseum on Long Island uh, because they had like a five or six night run there I've watched that over and over and I've listened to it over and over and they play, interestingly enough, One Slip, which is a great song for Momentary Lapse of Reason. They play it between Comfortably Numb and Run Like Hell, which is a bit of a gamble. It, it, it actually, to me, it fits. Some people might think that's sacrilege. And, and the fact of the matter is, if you can play Comfortably Numb and then Run Like Hell, any band in the world would be happy to, to just play those two and then walk off the stage. But they had some guts to kind of put one of the new songs in between those two big time show-stopping classics um and and i thought it worked well i remember i got that i think it had to be i mean when I, that first came out delicate sound of thunder there had to be vhs a cd i mean a dvds weren't even a thing then and mm-hmm. i remember watching that thinking this is just awesome it's unbelievable like just the, the production value i don't know how they filmed it they didn't have high def back then but it just looked fantastic and again, that's one of those, everything was firing on all cylinders. It was like a theatrical performance. All the lighting, the way the band moved in and out, the, the musicianship, they put on just a fantastic show. And putting that new, putting the new song in there, that's David Gilmore calling all the shots. And you don't have to listen to anybody else anymore. I do what I want. Well, that's right. But yeah, I just remember, I just remember watching that thinking, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Just the sound, everything. It's fantastic. I was and his with voice, I remember, too, was on point. Totally. And and the backup singers, one of whom was Rachel Fury, you know, they sounded amazing. They looked amazing on stage. It all really came together. I'm like, wow, I mean, that's what rock and roll can be. And for those who think that's overblown and you'd rather be in some sweaty bar um, and not be able to hear the next day, that's fine. There's a time and place for that. But 
that's an amazing show, and I'm I'm just really glad that I did get to see the Floyd one time before it was all said and done. Couple of couple of ideas though on the book side. I read Steve Howe's uh, biography, All My Yesterdays. You know, an interesting read. It's it's a little dry, and he's very, uh, let's say, English about how he uh, treats uh, you know the relationships with some band members. Uh, but if you're a Yes or Asia fan, I, I suggest picking it up. Also read the uh, autobiography of his GTR bandmate, Steve Hackett, called A Genesis in My Bed. And I read them back to back. I got to tell you, Steve Hackett, you wrote a great book. It's it's a little short. I don't think it's 200 pages, but talked about growing up, talked about his time in and out of Genesis uh, and all the solo work he did. Uh, and I found it uh, humorous. I found it fun to read and interesting. So there's that. And then... I think Rob Halford has a new book out called Confess, and I, I kind of defer to the guys at, at Classic Rock Magazine. By the way, I encourage everyone to, to subscribe to a rock and roll magazine. I love Classic Rock Magazine made here in Britain. They have a sister mag called Prague, which I also like. They have a metal hammer magazine. Mojo's another one over here that I like to read sometimes. So I encourage you to, to do that, to, to stay in touch with rock and roll. Because even at something like classic rock, yeah, they tell you about the bands that have been there, done that, and keep going. But they're also shining the light on new bands who play in the same genre, who still play rock and roll. Because as we've already mentioned, so many have come and gone, but there's still new music out there. It's just harder to find. And usually you get a CD of new music in there, which is a great way to to learn about new bands. Also, they will sometimes give you the ability or the opportunity to download new music um, so you can go check it out. So I encourage you to do that. Classic Rock gave, although I think it gave it a very good review, like an 8 out of 10 kind of review. It's a little bit ribald. Um, it's, you know, it's a little bit of, of Rob talking about, you know, how he liked to get a little freaky. And of course, Rob being, you know, an openly gay man, he feels licensed to go out and talk about all the freaky stuff that he did. What I hear about it that I didn't love was that he didn't get much into the personalities between the band members. And he kind of apparently glosses over things like when he left the band, apparently via fax, he just kind of said, yeah, and then I went out and did a solo career. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you mean that's when you left Judas Priest, right? Um, <laughs> that's a big deal. And then, you know, what about when KK left the band? You know, he just kind of glossed over that. Um, KK's book was a fine read, by the way, and, and kind of went a little bit more into that stuff. But, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, ACDC's new album, Power Up, there's going to be different versions of that. I'm sure there's vinyl versions. I'm sure there's super deluxe versions. That's going to be something exciting, and maybe we'll uh, we'll hear that and talk about that a little bit uh, on the podcast here in the future. So, hey, you got a rock and roller in your life? Um, get them a magazine subscription. You know, get them some discs. Get them a box set, and let's work on getting everybody back on tour next year. Yeah, I mean, like you said, that you know that ACDC is going to be big. That's just what's going to happen. And I can only imagine that they're planning some monster tour. And let's be real honest. Back to the original part of this conversation. If you've ever, if you have a chance to see ACDC, you're going to want to jump on that boat because this probably will be the last tour. You need in, to go. In my, and especially now that I can't believe it, but Phil Rudd is back. Uh, that's pretty cool. No, somehow he got into their good graces again. But I mean, other than Malcolm, R.I.P., it's the, it's the, it's the classic 80s that, right. ACDC lineup. 
And it's so fun. It's such a fun show with the cannons and the big bell. And the, it's basically everybody kind of standing around and Angus running around going crazy, you know. I mean, Malcolm and Cliff stand at the speakers. When it's their time to sing, they take about four steps forward. They sing. Malcolm walked backwards. Cliff turned around and walked back to the, to the speakers. And then they sat there playing again. And that's it. Brian's at the front of the stage screaming as loud as he can. And Angus is just running around crazy. So it's such a fun show. Uh, and Emerson, Rob Emerson and I, who went to college with me and Gary, we saw them in Jacksonville in like the third or fourth row. And, and Emerson's a huge ACDC fan. That's his number one band of all time. So to be able to do that and headbang right up close like that with him, that was that was a special show. It's, it's exciting to see that them back, and I don't want to hear anybody complaining about how well it sounds the same. It always sounds the same. Yeah. ACDC sounds that, but they never fail to deliver, especially live. It's supposed to sound the same. Well, I think that about wraps up things for us here at the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in last week to our Eddie Van Halen tribute, uh, and please tune again next week uh, when we go over in-depth a record that we mentioned this week, the re-release of Pink Floyd's legendary Delicate Sound of Thunder, both the album and the movie. A couple of things to clean up. The last town in Ohio for the UFO Strangers of the Night re-release was Youngstown. It was not Detroit. Hey, did we get something right? Did we get something wrong? Did we miss out something that's important to you? Tell us. We're on Twitter, at ugly underscore werewolf. Till then, rock and rollers. Have a little break this weekend. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Reflect on what has been an incredibly odd 2020. Think about the rockers in your life that deserve something good for the holidays. And be sure to tune in next week. Thanks, everyone. Be cool and stay safe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.